The following recording may contain explicit language. I can't get more explicit than may. Let's just say it may. It's Wednesday, September 18th, 2019. From Slate, it's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. It is now day three of Comedy Week, meaning at the midpoint of this episode, we will pass from a situation of Comedy Week surplus to a decline in Comedy Week. It's about minute 17, I'd, I'd guess. That that's when we will be at peak week, peak comedy, like all the seers on the internet fretted about, send you charts about. Today, the subject is podcast comedy. Podcast. What is comedy? Comedy is the interruption of expectation in a humorous way. What is a podcast? Well, this 2013 YouTube video by Colin Gray explains. A podcast refers to a series of audio files. Whereas a podcast episode is one episode of that podcast. So one audio file would be a podcast episode. That's when you just record episode one, say you're going to talk about one topic. And that is one uh, one episode of your podcast. Whereas when you talk about a podcast, that is actually a series. Um, for example, a TV series, you would talk about uh, EastEnders or Friends. That's a series, a TV series and a podcast is similar in that it's a series of episodes. A podcast is a series. Personally, I subscribe to quite a few podcast series. Let me list them all for you. Adam Carolla, Ted Alexandro, Adam Ferrara, Baby Geniuses, Birdcast, Bullseye with Jesse Thorne, Chapo Trap House, kind of comedic. Chris Gethard Presents, Come to Papa with Tom Papa, Conan Needs a Friend, The Daily Show, Everything is Alive, from... Live from the Comedy Cellar, Dead Pilot Society, Gilbert Gottfried, Getting Better with Ron Funches, Hello from the Magic Tavern, Jamie Kilstein, Jackie and Laurie, JV Club, Larry Wilmore, Las Culturistas, Mobituaries, Seth Meyers Late Night, Legion of Skanks, Mike on Much, Dave Smith's Part of the Problem, and he is, Punch Up the Jam, Are You Talking to Me, Real Time with Bill Maher, Reality Blows, Ron Burgundy, Bitch Sesh, Seven Second Delay, Too Beautiful to Live, WTF, Sklar Brothers Cheap Seats, Who Cares About the Rock Hall, and Romaniacs, which is more about Brexit than it is funny, but it is the funniest Brexit podcast out there. Now, you might ask, do I listen to these all? Yeah, I listen to them all, not every episode, but I check in on every episode. How long does it take me? It takes me as long as one episode of The Joe Rogan Show. So today, for Comedy Week, we decided to do this to play each and every podcast that I listen to all at the same time. And here now is a sample of that. Okay, being told that it's not going to work. Let's do this instead. Let's pick two. Ron Funches is a great stand-up who has been doing his podcast, Getting Better, for a little while now. So I wanted to talk about a new podcaster who's also an established comic about how it's going for him. But I wanted to pair him with a veteran of the game, who's better than Jesse Thorne, who hosts Bullseye and Jordan Jesse Go, and is the founder and chief of the Maximum Fun Network. I wanted to know how comedy is affecting podcasts, but also how podcasts are affecting Brexit. And they had no good answers on that. So I asked them, well, okay, how are podcasts affecting comedy? Which was arguably more relevant to the topic at hand. Enjoy as Comedy Week marches on. Comedy and podcasting, a match made in studios. 
I would say the very first podcast, if memory serves, and a lot of crime dramas shows that it doesn't, but the very first podcast as a podcast that I ever listened to was something called The Sound of Young America, and a guy named Jesse Thorne, who was maybe a college student then, went up in a biplane. Don't ask me how <laughs> I got wise to The Sound of Young America, but Jesse Thorne has become a friend of mine. He created the, the podcasting company called Maximum Fun. And he's responsible and I guess the executive producer of such comedy podcasts as The Adventure Zone and Baby Geniuses, Dave Hill's podcasting incident, The Flophouse, which I love, The Jackie and Laurie Show, Judge John Hodgman, Jordan Jesse Go, Paula Poundstone, My Brother, My Brother and Me. So that is the first comedy podcast I ever listened to. The latest comedy podcast I have subscribed to is getting better with Ron Funches. Ron is a headlining comedian everywhere who has an amazing life story. So the podcast is about third uh, affirmations and a third conversations with another great comedian. Ron and Jesse are here to talk about comedy podcasting in general. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey, Mike. Shout out to the Red Baron Pizza Squadron who took me up in that biplane. <laughs> yeah. Who knew it would still be paying off with plugs on uh, podcasts all these years later? The Pizza Squadron. I didn't. I did not <laughs> know that that was a. I, I, I knew about the you know two seventy seventh Lancers. I didn't know about this Pizza Squadron. <laughs> yeah. There. What? That's what happens when you retire from the Blue Angels. Mm -hmm. They put you in the pizza squadron. Yeah. If the Blue Angels can't protect the homeland, <laughs> only the pizza squadron can. <laughs> yeah. Ron, so Ron, what's your pizza squadron? Now, Ron, what podcast did you listen to, if any, that inspired you to do a podcast? Mm, I would say uh, the one that inspired me, I kind of actually, I listened to Jackie and Lori. Um, that's one of my few comedy related podcasts that I listen to. I listen to a lot of pro wrestling podcasts. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of what inspired me to do it, actually, is that I noticed a couple of friends of mine, a gentleman named Conrad Thompson, and he was working with some some um, older wrestlers, and they had this podcast, and it was starting to really take off, and then I started noticing that they were doing some of the same venues that I was doing in a live show, and that they were selling them out. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, uh, and it mostly also just came from a place of necessity with me, where I was... I felt like I was doing a lot of guesting on a lot of other people's shows. I was doing a lot of helping other people by being, you know, funny on their products. But I didn't have my own home. I didn't have my own place for people to come and, and see what I was about in the long form. And um, so that's pretty much those two things were the inspiration for me starting my podcast. So you were building up credits and collecting chits and you knew that one day you could uh, make them pay. <laughs> sure if you will put it that way <laughs> but other than the commercial which is i want you to talk about it what do you get from it what needs does it fill that your other outlets like acting writing on shows and especially stand-up where you could be really expressive so what needs does it fill for you as the uh, creator of the content um it gives me other avenues basically and gives me other things to talk about where even in stand-up, there is, like, um, kind of this 
pressure, not necessarily pressure, but it's my job to entertain above all. Like I can get up there and talk about everything I want to talk about, but I have to make it entertaining. And in podcasts, I don't necessarily have to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I could just talk and not have a punchline ready. I can just go into different subjects and, 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 they kind of feed each other because some t- subjects that I bring up on the podcast end up making it into my act. And, and it's just uh, and also it just gives me more, you know, as sure as you guys have all found out from doing the podcast, people learn more and more about you. And those are the people who become the most invested in me and the ones that were coming out to my shows and the ones that um, that actually get get something from it. And it makes me it's a different feeling from when people go, oh, we think you're funny in this show, or we or, we thought that was a great set, or when someone comes up to me and goes, hey, I listened to you talk about how you w- were d- doing okay, but you weren't feeling that great, and so you got into therapy, and it made me feel okay about going to therapy. And it got me enrolled in therapy, and now I'm doing better. And like that is like, oh, I'm helping something. I'm help, I'm actually being a positive force. And that, to me, that's like way bigger than like a, a joke. In the year that you've been doing it, 56 episodes in, and episode one was August 20th, 2018, do you see an appreciable difference in audio size when you're on the road? Um, I just, yeah, I, I can tell there's, it's not like a giant difference at all it's just i can tell when i go on the road because sometimes i bring a little merch with me and and people will buy things tour related but the my biggest selling item is my podcast shirt and so it just lets me know like right away or like oh okay And, and just when i'm getting introduced and people are bringing up my credits and when my podcast starts getting bigger reactions than the shows i've been on it's like okay this is starting to build a little bit of steam it's still very small it's not you know the biggest podcast by at all but it what i think it like just with my comedy the people who find it and enjoy it really get something from it and it makes me makes me happy it's a really different kind of relationship right ron like i mean as somebody who's like i've done a few stand hosted a few stand-up shows for people who didn't know who i was and it's it can be fine. Like if you have the material, you can make them laugh. It's great. They came out to see somebody who was going to make them laugh. Mm-hmm. But there's a big difference between that and the experience of building a real connection with somebody. Oh, absolutely. There's a big difference between me going out and doing a joke about my girlfriend and and people just laughing, or someone goes yells out "robot," and I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> like you know like you know what i'm talking about and now it also gives me kind of a excuse to be able to go a little bit deeper and and more into the woods of things and sometimes that helps me find jokes that i otherwise wouldn't have found because i didn't feel comfortable to shit with sharing that you know empowering helpful hecklers (laughs) (laughs) but tell me about that you've really you think you've written jokes or gotten material that comes directly or indirectly from doing the podcast yeah definitely because the biggest um response i've gotten from the podcast what i've noticed from like other comedians who are like hey i don't I don't listen. They go. I don't listen to your podcast. <laughs> I don't watch your podcast, but I do look at the clips of your affirmations, and they make me feel good. And hearing that from like not just 
fans, but also my peers made me go like, oh, maybe this is something I need to bring into my regular act as well. And so it's kind of started where I start my show by asking people like, hey, I hope you guys are feeling great. Hope you're feeling strong. Hope you're feeling happy. Are you happy? And and the reaction that gets to asking a group of people to look at themselves and ask themselves if they're happy um it creates like laughter <laughs> they're like some people realize they are some people realize they aren't and then it's fun to talk about and it kind of opens my set that way and it's something i wouldn't have really felt comfortable doing if i hadn't started with the affirmations so jesse give me a little bit i i know the pizza biplane incident but <laughs> when did <laughs> when did the when did the comedy network start and what were the ideas about what you could do in the beginning, and then we'll talk about how that's all changed. I mean, I started podcasting in 2004, uh, and in the Sound of Young America, like uh, that that Pizza Baron thing uh, happened because they called my college radio station, and I happened to answer the phone, and I was like, yes, I will go in your biplane. Uh, but I started podcasting in 2004, and- By the way, of those three words, biplane, phone, and college radio station, I think biplane is the, is the <laughs> yeah. one that survived. Well, you know, you answer the phone at the, you answer the, phone at the college radio station in Santa Cruz, you don't know what you're going to get on the other end. True. Um, mostly it's just complaints about uh, how we don't ever talk about how 9-11 was an inside job. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I started podcasting at the, like the very dawn of podcasting, basically, and not because I was that guy but just because i was making this show and i thought well if i could get a couple hundred people to listen to it this way it's worth it and uh i moved to la in 2008 something like that uh and when i moved to la i gave up my job in san francisco i had been working as a receptionist at a nonprofit, and i was like i will just not get a job I will just figure out how to make money from this. And the podcast network was born of that. And the model was for for us, for Maximum Fun, and still is really a lot like a public radio station or a public television station, which is to say people voluntarily give us money. Now, we're for profit, but you know, people give us five bucks a month to support our shows. And that's where the bulk of our revenue comes from. And it was, you know... For years, and I did that basically because there were there was no one willing to advertise on a podcast at the time. <laughs> so uh, I did that, you know, and it was many years of making fourteen thousand dollars in a year, which was like just enough to cover my rent and food and catastrophic health insurance. And then you know built it up over time, and each time podcasting has been invented. Uh, from, you know, Ricky Gervais inventing podcasting to Mark Maron inventing podcasting to Serial inventing podcasting to recently Conan O'Brien inventing podcasting and all the other people who invented podcasting along the way. Each time that kind of the, the rising tide lifted all the boats, including ours, to the point where now, um, as as my old producer used to say, you finally don't have to explain what podcasting is to your dentist. Yeah. Uh, Although you you made you made this reference to. Uh, Mark Marin inventing podcasting, but didn't you, in fact, invent <laughs> Mark Marin? And well, also, as far as serial goes, frame Adnan Saeed. No, no, yes, didn't you? I didn't did. you? <laughs> Adnan Saeed. Yeah. I, uh, I well, Mark was Mark started his show after he got fired from Air America for like the fourth time, and he and his producer were recording it by sneaking into Air America late at night because <laughs> right. they never turned off their pass keys. 
And I think, you know, by the time you're fired four times, just people are used to seeing you there, whether you're employed, currently employed by them or not. And so they were recording that. And then Mark moved out to L.A. And like, yeah, I like spent an afternoon because I knew Mark from The Sound of Young America. In fact, I had once recorded an interview with Mark. Jordan, my co-host then Jordan and I had recorded an interview with Mark where we were standing at the base of the UC Santa Cruz uh, campus in our underpants uh, broadcasting live for a pledge drive. Um, but Mark emailed me. He's like, uh, you know, you're, you like podcasting, right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, uh, how do you, how do you podcast? Brendan lives in New York. <laughs> and so he knows how to I, grumble on an email. I know. That's how good he is. Yeah. <laughs> so I went over and like helped him set up his microphones, but it was truly like, he's been very kind about giving me credit. It was truly like two hours of helping him or three hours of helping him because I, you know, I liked and admired him so much. Um, it t- I did not expect at the time that his show would be so much better and more successful than mine. <laughs> Had I known, I would have yeah. I would have told him to use toy microphones or something. Other than being really good and pretty early, and um, just just the execution of it is great, and he's a great interviewer. Would you say that's a, the most influential comedy podcast out there? I would say that you know there's a few shows that um, there was a few shows that are still extant that were popular in the early days. Jimmy Pardo and Matt Belknap um, were Jimmy being Jimmy's a wonderful Los Angeles stand-up, one of the funniest guys in L.A. And Matt was the boss of this comedy nerd community called a special thing dot com uh, that started as a tenacious D tribute website. Um, but it eventually grew into being this place where L.A. alternative comics would hang out and talk with each other about comedy in L.A. Matt and Jimmy Pardo started Never Not Funny in 2006 or something like that. Um, and I think that was very hugely influential for the Los Angeles comedy scene. And Jimmy was very close and is very close with Scott Ackerman, who started Comedy Death Ray, which became Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, which is, you know, sort of brought the L.A. alternative comedy scene that that was around the live shows that he'd been producing and the world of Mr. Show and the world of the UCB theater here in L.A. into into podcasting. And then there are also, you know, there are folks like the guys from uh, Yeah Dude, which is a comedy podcast that's been running since the very beginning days of podcasting that that's still running and still very successful but like in the in the comedy community in LA which was on top of podcasting 7 years or 5 years before even New York or or anywhere else in the country i think uh a lot of credit has to go to uh, Jimmy Pardo and Matt Belknap um and also to Scott Ackerman whose show whose show's format brought a lot of people in um doing characters and doing bits but also doing interviews with stand-ups and so on and so forth but the um, the Pardo show and the comedy Bang Bang, those are committing comedy. Those are performing comedy, two different kinds of comedy. Yeah. Whereas the WTF show is examining comedy. And it seems to me, I don't know if it's a 50-50 split, but unlike comedy on television, when you say comedy, it's you expect to tune in and be entertained and laugh. Uh, a huge percentage of comedy podcasts, like Ron's, is the discussion of comedy. Well, I think that's because, Ron, maybe you can speak to this, but I feel like a lot of comics that I know are like, well, for one thing, if they're going to have guests on their show, it's going to be comics because that's the only people they relate to socially. Like the only people that they talk to on a day-to-day basis are other people at the back of the bar. But also, I think... 
there's a lot of comics who felt the way that I felt when I started The Sound of Young America when I was in college, which is, you know, until this wave of comedy podcasting and a sort of attendant wave of comedy geekery, comedy nerdery, being serious about comedy, like really caring about comedy, either as a consumer or as a producer, was a really fringy thing. There was no media, there was no mass media about comedy. Um, and really, like, you know, there's that scene in, in Freaks and Geeks where Martin Starr's character goes into his house. He's a latchkey kid and he sits down on the couch and he's like eating a peanut butter sandwich by himself yeah. and, and laughing at Gary Shandling. Hosting the Tonight Show. plays in the background, yeah. Yeah, and like that was the experience of being a comedy fan. Whereas, you know, if you're a, if you're a, you know, I'm a baseball nerd, right? Just like you, Mike. And uh, I always knew where, I always knew other baseball nerds and like there was always a community around that. I think podcasting gave fans a way to have a relationship with comics more than once every two years when they put out a special or whatever. And it also gave comics a chance to be in a world where they could take seriously this art that they cared about. Well, I think, I mean, if you were ever around any group of stand-up for after a show or anything, usually that's what we're talking about is comedy. It's not a, it's what stand-ups like to talk about. It's to... For a lot of people, it's almost like, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a craft or an art form, but for a lot of people, it's a big philosophy on different styles. It's almost a, re- a religion in that way. When I was not in Los Angeles, being on a special thing and, and um, listening to these podcasts helped me feel connected to a community that I wanted to be a part of. It Ron, helped... you were on a special thing? Yeah. Hey, what was your screen name on a special thing, Ron? I forgot, but I remember I got in a fight with somebody, <laughs> and then I stopped going everybody everybody was on this one message board mike i swear this is real we were all on this message board where dino stamatopoulos told a story about secretly uh secretly drinking a celebrity's breast milk (laughs) (laughs) that'd be starburns from community if you're playing along at home exactly (laughs) what was your name jesse I was young American. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. They thought you were a big Bowie fan. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Ron, did you, have you ever had, um, since you have mostly guests, guests who are friends and people you know, have you had connections and insights via the conversation on your podcast, the likes of which you uh, haven't been able to have in real life? Oh, absolutely. Most definitely. I've had a lot of, um, a thing I had Emily Gordon on and we talked about how uh, this was the one of the only times we were able to actually sit and have a conversation because we're everybody's so busy that you have to actually sit and book them for an hour to sit and talk to have these conversations. Uh, but I would say the the most recent examples I just um, recorded an episode with with Esther Pavisky, and I'd seen her around doing stand up a bunch. I watched her on. Um, crazy ex-girlfriend i'd seen bits of her show but and i just always thought she was funny and i always thought she was nice and through this hour of conversation we just kind of learned so much about each other where we were like oh we have so much more in common than we ever knew we both i didn't know that we were both from illinois we both have this kind of love of like 
old um old hollywood and um, lucille ball and things like that and and that i didn't know this is i mean i guess tiny girls have food addictions that's the thing i should know but (laughs) but we had we really had a discussion about our problems with food addiction and 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 working on that and just um our just belief in our comedy and how much we both because you see a lot of people who do comedy and it's a thing I know it is supposed to be an anti-Conan podcast, but, <laughs> but the thing that I love about Conan is one of the nicest things he ever told to me. The one of the first times I did his show is like, he was like, I like you. And he's like, and I support you because I tell you, I can tell you just love comedy for comedy's sake. You're not in love with comedy for what it can get you. And that's what the conversation I had with Esther by the end of that, I was like, oh, I love you because I can tell how much you truly love this art form. And I wouldn't have known that if I had and had that conversation with her. I mean, Mike, as somebody who's interviewed all kinds of creative people for 20 years now on Bullseye, which is my NPR show, um, I think that one of the special things about people in comedy that's different from musicians or writers or whatever is that this, this form of podcasting comes almost natively to them because comics... And I'm including, you know, improv comics, sketch comics in this as well, are used to the idea of figuring out the world by talking it through Mm -hmm. and figuring out the world by talking with people that they like and admire. So there's this value, which is, as Ron said, being entertaining, right? Like you have to be able to deliver a laugh to be respected in the comedy community, But there is also this incredible value of can we figure things out by talking about them? And I think that is reflected on a lot of, you know, whether it's Pete Holmes uh, compulsively asking everybody whether they believe in God, (laughs) whatever it is, you know, like Mark Maron asking everybody if he's good with them, uh, Mm -hmm. like whatever the things that are roiling the insides of people, comics are used to addressing them by talking to them either as a performer or with their peers. So Jesse, give me um, some idea of the trends. What was working 10 years ago that you or the audience has gotten sick of and where can this, uh, where can this medium go? Well, uh, Mike, as the host of Jordan, Jesse go on which you've appeared a number of times, I can confirm that two straight white guys uh, talking about nothing for mm-hmm. 90 minutes uh, is not the hot trend. That is not doing a podcast that literally offers no reason to subscribe to it at all is not the hot new thing. I mean, and like, will it ever end? Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I'm looking for when I am starting a podcast or helping start a podcast or uh, when I'm fielding pitches for new podcasts. It's what is so special about this show that it will like connect with someone in a deep way. And what is so remarkable about this show that someone will tell someone else about it? Because there are a lot of podcasts that are hosted by celebrities now. Yes. Um, And I wish, I wish nothing but the best for Dax Shepard and his family. Um, He seems like, he seems great. Uh, no problem with that guy. All the success in the world to him. But if you're not already a famous person, um, you are really relying on creating something that 
excites someone and connects with someone deeply. Is the length, the shagginess, the anything can happen, but frequently nothing does nature of a lot of popular podcasts, is that a bug or a feature? Well, people want a real relationship. And it's not that different from the relationship they had with... I mean, it's not that different from the relationship that I had with, you know, my favorite sports talk radio host as a kid. It's, mm. it's you know, it's it's not a whole other ball game. It's just more of that. Like, that intimacy. And I mean, I would extend that to, you know... Radio Lab or your show, like those are very different formats. Radio Lab maybe is the least shaggy show ever. It's produced by a team of seventy thousand <laughs> Oberlin PhDs. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Like, but the reason playing a different bassoon part. Yeah. Exactly, but the the reason that Radio Lab is particularly effective, even in its capacity as a storytelling show, is they put a lot of work into giving you the feeling that it is human and real and present and even though it's not like anything can happen because certainly they've chosen every single second of every single bit of audio that happens but it still has the same feeling that i get when i listen to never not funny and i hear my friends matt and jimmy you know it is that feeling of a uh, an intimate human connection which is the individual strength of of audio as a medium uh, Jesse, should I worry about the fact that the number one podcast is Joseph Gordon-Levitt, the number three podcast is Dak Shepard, the number five podcast is Conan O'Brien? What about non-celebrity expert interviewers who don't already have a gigantic platform? Yeah, you should worry about that. But I mean, that that has never not been the case in world media and entertainment. I mean, people like things that they already like it's easier to continue liking something than it is to find a new thing to like <laughs> that is a true statement across all media you have to give somebody a reason to like you i mean i think you and i mike are very lucky that we started doing this 10 and 15 years ago when the other choices were just people that wanted to talk about their microphones Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, you know, we stood out by virtue of making an actual show and, you know, maybe our only competition was, uh, you know, uh, a local morning show with 32 minutes an hour of, you know, yelling commercials for mattresses or whatever. And it's harder now, but the reality is that if you make something that it will, is special to people, it will break through. And also I think there's a corollary thing to that, Mike, which is, one of the magical things about internet media in general and podcasting in particular is that there is room for all kinds of success. So I think maybe to you or me or Ron, success is defined by getting a million people to listen and you buy a house in Bel Air or something and you have to constantly be checking yourself and saying, maybe that's not what I should be shooting for. But I think that, that it leaves room for having, you know, if you can make a podcast that's really valuable to other birders, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Then like, what a wonderful, what a wonderful way to spend your time and what a wonderful service to your community and how many ways will that come back, even if it isn't your full-time job. And that is something that was impossible literally 15 years ago 
You know, like 15 years ago, you couldn't connect with other people. Like 15 years ago, all me and Ron had was a special thing.com, <laughs> you know? At at the very end of the day, it is it has to be a positive. How could how could it be a negative? Because, I mean, it's, it's sure it, it creates more competition, and it does force you to be better. It does force you to to work harder. It forces you to put put more effort out there and, and spe- specialize. Um, but I always see those as positive things, especially with someone like Conan or Joe Rogan. I don't look at their audiences as people who were looking for a podcast and then found something and like, this is what I like. Those were Conan fans. Those were Joe Rogan fans. And they heard they had podcasts. They probably didn't know what a podcast even meant, but they knew they liked Conan. They knew they liked Joe Rogan. But now they're in the ecosystem. Now they've pressed that podcast button. And so they're going to need at some point everyone, you know. I have my favorite shows. I can watch Seinfeld. I can watch I Love Lucy in king of the hill every day until i die probably but at some points i'm like oh i've seen i've seen this six times let me go find something else you know and so that that can be nothing but a positive to make people work harder to be on top of their game i I like that all the time and it's just bringing more people in into the market and at the end of the day you know if it's if it's monetarily based it's like this is a silly job. <laughs> like, no one should be, guarantee you money because you can set up a few mics and record in an office or house or wherever. It's a silly job and it's a beautiful job and you should have to work hard to succeed in it. Ron Funches is the host of Getting Better with Ron Funches. He also, of course, voiced Cooper in the movie Trolls. Jesse Thorne is the host of Bullseye and is the impresario behind the Maximum Fun Podcast Network. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, Mike. Love you, buddy. It's a pleasure. And that's it for today's show. Daniel Schrader produced the gist. He also bravely fought the Red Baron from the Sopwith Camel atop his doghouse. Join us tomorrow as we talk working in and writing for late night, or as comedians call it, about midday. The gist. If you think my comedy podcast list is long, you don't want to hear my food podcast or political pollster podcast list. But maybe you could handle my pollster and food political podcast list. Just one. It's called Margarine of Error. Small audience. I think you'll like it. Oomper Depper Dupru, and thanks for listening.